Network, a podcast designed for women working in financial services and financial technology. I'm Cheryl Brown, Chief Engagement Officer at Females and Finance. I'm also an international speaker on social and digital marketing, too. On The F Word, you'll meet leaders in the community, as well as learn more about recruiting, training, advancing, and retaining quality female talent. Let's take a listen to today's episode. This is season one, episode seven, and today we have transitional wealth planner, Hannah Bushbaum. She's also the founder of the W Source based out of Santa Barbara, California. Hannah has a Bachelor of Arts in Accounting and Economics from Westmount College, holds a certified financial planner designation from the CFP board, as well as she holds a certified divorce financial analyst designation too. She does volunteer work with the Junior League in her community, and I've had the pleasure of speaking on stage with her um, at the Investment News Women Advisor Summit in September of 2017 in Denver, Colorado. So I've been really excited to talk to you today, Hannah. Thank you for coming. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Cheryl. Absolutely. So I always like to tell people how I'm connected to the guests when they come on the show, right? So your company, The W Source, was featured in an article, and I reached out to you through LinkedIn to sort of talk more and possibly feature you in the book and in the campaign. And funny enough, we weren't able to really connect through that. And so then the opportunity came for me to speak at the investment news conference, and lo and behold, who's on the panel? you. And so it was kind of serendipitous if you think about it, right? And how we finally connected, it was, you know, sort of funny how it's like, oh, now you're sitting two seats away from me. <laughs> yeah, so much I- synergy right off the bat. Yeah, it was like right? we knew each other forever. Exactly. And so it's kind of funny. And I think people actually thought we knew each other longer. The other women that were mm-hmm, on the panel. Definitely. <laughs> were like, oh, you know her? And I'm like, no, I just, you just met her. I did just <laughs> met her too. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> So one of the things I love to find out from about people is how did you get involved in financial services? Because, you know, was it something that was in college that developed for you and you wanted to major in this as a profession? I can tell you, I tell people transparently, I ended up in it by accident. I tell people, uh, thank you, Mass Mutual. I give them a big heart for uh, hiring somebody who was completely inept at insurance, but gave me a chance. And here I am 30 years later. So I'd love to hear your story. Yeah, it's interesting. My parents are both educators. So I grew up in the education household and constantly over dinner with a glass of wine, my parents would be belaboring budgets um, to each other about this program got cut or this got cut. So I quickly learned at an early age that it's important to give back, but truly money makes the world go round. If you don't have the budget to be able to give or serve or help others, it really struggles to continue to grow um, program. So I knew I always wanted to study business. I came to Santa Barbara um, thinking I was going to become a CPA. And luckily, I had a professor very early on in my career say, you have way too much personality to become a CPA. Have you thought about financial planning? It has a lot of your skill set. And so I met um, a solo financial planner. I graduated on a Saturday, started working on a Monday in the financial services industry. So I'm about to celebrate my ninth year in the industry. And um, so it's been basically my only job experience. And I love the industry. Uh, so since then, I've joined a, a team, became a partner, uh, you know, done all the things you're supposed to do, but really have loved growing up in this industry and learning so much. Gotcha. And for all the CPAs that listen, we love you. We do. But yeah, we do. I, I got to tell you, I don't know if you saw me put on the females in finance uh, page yesterday. I had to do my quarterly taxes. And I always tell Jim Lloyd, who's my tax accountant, I'm like, 
I have no buyer's remorse with you. I don't want to go through these papers. <laughs> and that's Absolutely. I love the way at the end of the day, the two numbers balance and they equal, but to get from A to B, I love that they balance, but I don't, I don't have the patience. Truthfully, I don't have the personality skill set. I'm a much better listener. I'm more creative than that. And I'm very blessed that a professor got me to that place because I think I would have sat for the CPA exam, studied hard for it, and then got out to the real world and realized that wasn't my place and would have had to start all over. So I'm glad yeah. to be on my side of the table, but equally grateful for them as allies. Totally get it. I totally get it. And you know, one of the things you just talked about college and your parents being educators, what are your thoughts about, I might be catching you off guard with this question, but what are your thoughts about young girls, young women today gaining access to learning more about a career in financial services? Because I have a daughter, I'm almost 50 years old. And I have a daughter who's 24. And I have to tell you two things that she said to me was, I don't remember there ever being a conversation about you know, money or accounting, much less even telling me that that was a career option. She doesn't even remember that ever coming up. And, uh, and because of that, she was self-educated, which is scary, um, um, on insurance and on, and, I mean, yeah, I, I'm in the household and talking to her about it, but she looked it up herself. She had to go find it. So what do you think about, you know, young people today getting access to more information about a career in financial services? Yeah. One of the things that I always allude this story to or just thinking about women coming into this industry, Gina Davis, the actress that we all know and love so much, um, has an institute uh, about promoting women in finance and technology, um, science, et cetera, in cartoons at a very young age. If you think back to all the cartoons we all love and watch, never did you see a mom working as an MIT grad at a science, you know, we're lucky to have um, big bang theory as an example now where it celebrates some women that have full-time careers. But at the end of the day, the mom was always the mom and she was always at home and she was always making dinner before five. And so one of the things that I think we all need to commit to is showing up on career day for our daughter or our child's um, moment and say, look, we can do this. We can be, you can have this really amazing work-life balance. It's a flexible career schedule. It's an awesome way to be an entrepreneur, to design the business the way you want to. But if we don't show up for career day for each of our daughters or our family members, we're never going to make impactful change. And then also, you know, continue to promote those, you know, like universities like Texas Tech that do have financial planning degrees where you can actually go to school for that and not have to shift your accounting major like I did into financial planning and play catch up afterwards. You know what you just said, it actually gave me chills because I was thinking if we have children and they invite us to career day, we should go. And I think that that's great. I often think about people like me who have of age that, okay, so my significant other has a little boy who's 11 and I, you know, may or may not get invited to something like that because he's got awesome parents that do really um, amazing work. But I was thinking about even kids in the neighborhood and stuff that it's where we lose track of that community sense, right? Because we are so connected to our devices and things. And that I would be more than happy if somebody invited me to come and talk, I'd get excited about it. But I'm sure the parents don't even know that that's an option that they can call upon a neighbor and say, hey, would you come and talk about what you do? And I think that that's one of the reasons why the mentoring and talking about more and more and more with young people about what we do, because I will still tell you, I don't know if you go through this, uh, but my, my youngest daughter's 21 and I, you know, her friends will even say, well, what does your mom do? And she says, oh, she works in financial services. And I hear the, huh. And, and I always pause at that. When I hear that, I go, why did you say that? And they're like, oh, I just thought that's something guys did. (sighs) 
And you know, like, and here we go again. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> it is something go. guys do, but it's also something girls do. Yeah. So, so can we have a participation at that early age to give girls an idea? Oh, wow. If I really like numbers, but I also like talking to people, I could participate in this, this financial services industry, whether it's on the CPA or financial planning or any of those insurance related careers that really have a creative entrepreneurial sense, but with a structure, if they really do love the idea of the planning side of it. So that's one of the things that, that when I speak around the country that I talk about is you know, if you're really going to make change, we have to change what our little kids see and be able to change that from a, a formation standpoint. Absolutely. And just kind of, I actually just wrote a note to myself that was, you know, for local schools, I wonder what a great idea to go to as organizations, whatever financial service organization you may have, go to your local school system and say, hey, if you need a career speaker, I would love to be able to do that. You know, I may not have little kids or you know, even for me, I'm pointing the finger at me first going to the local schools and saying, if you're looking for a career day person to come in and talk, this is what I do. And I'd love to be able to do it. I just don't have little kids, but I'm happy to share the story of what I do. And I know I would think that there's a lot of educators out there, your parents being educators, that they probably would welcome people who want to come in and share their time. And so it might be a nice way to give back into a local community. Absolutely. And more people. So see, yeah. we need to work and talk together more. This is, it was a yeah. good idea, I think. And so I love it. I really want you to talk about, because we're talking about putting groups and communities together, and that kind of talks about, you know, leads us into your new venture with the W Source. And a few folks, I think, originally thought that you and I might have had some, like, competing space or a platform because I'm females in finance and you're the W Source. Right. But that's so not the case. And, and so I think they were a little shocked because they were like, ooh, you and Hannah get along, you know, and I'm <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah. We get along. We play well in the sandbox. And you do such different things than what I do. And so you've been such a great addition to my community that I've been excited to have you there and I appreciate it. Um, I'd love for you to tell us how you got started with that, how it all came together, um, sort of the why behind it. And it'll sort of fill in the gaps for people, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think there's so many overlapping themes, but we do serve a different purpose, I think, and a, and a synergistic purpose. Um, so I work with women who are suddenly single. That's my, my shtick when I'm out in the community and telling people what I do. And everyone goes, oh, that's a great idea. I love that. And you can just imagine your female friends, or even if you've experienced a loss of a loved one or change in a marital status, you, go, you remember how you felt at that moment. Um, that loss of control and having to figure it out as quickly as possible financially. So I was looking for female professionals who, who were willing to listen to baby step their way to help these women catch up to the 20 years of financial knowledge that they've been kept out of, whether it was their dad or their husband or traditionally even just a different more um, so usually one person manages the finances in the household. And so I was looking for not the attorney that's going to pat her on the head and say, it's okay, honey, I've got it taken care of, but the, the person that really wants to educate and empower. And I was doing it really inefficiently. And we all talk about how can we use the best amount of our time? How do we be more efficient? How do we do more with less because of all of the squeeze on our compensation and our time and other things we do? And so I was, I went to my business partners and I said, who are all men, by the way. And I said, guys, where are all the women? And they, they laughed and they said, well, why don't you come check out some other networking organizations? You know, check out the one you fill in, whichever one you know best, it doesn't matter. Um, and you walk into that room and you go, okay, I'm the third financial advisor, third CPA, third insurance agent. I don't know, whatever your title is. And you so go, okay, how do I differentiate myself? Okay. I'm going to be different. And then you go, well, this person has 20 years of experience on me and it's a guy. There's the traditional 
look of somebody. So we decided to um, start a networking organization to help a women in finance start a networking group where she's the only financial advisor in the group, and it's all women CPAs, all women realtors, all women uh, that you can build your, your uh, business with. So for me, I started the first group in September of last year. We just celebrated one year, and since then, we've had tremendous growth. Friar Cheryl has been a huge part of that. The other conferences I've spoken at, um, just meeting fantastic women as all, like all of you listeners. We're up to 33 chapters with over 150 members. We're in 14 states and are growing in the right way. But the thing that's really key is that we address some of the concerns that networking brings up in general. One, you've got to have really quality people in the room and they've got to be not just transaction oriented. They have to be relationship focused. And so we help women do that and make sure that they're vetting the group. And then we offer all these interconnectivity benefits and it's just been an amazing thing for me. I, it really started with me just doing it in Santa Barbara and then realizing that I could give back to an industry that's been tough as a woman truthfully to get through. And I want to give back and give other women an opportunity to have it easier than I did. I love that. And you know, so you talked about the chapters that you have. How many did you say you have again today? We have 33 chapters. Wow. In 14 states, yeah, in with over states. 150 members. Okay, and so where do you see the next five chapters coming? Like, where do you uh, envision that, whether it's a state or a region or something like that, so that the listeners are going, well, I'm in that space. I totally could do this. Yeah, so we, we've divided the country up into tier one, tier two, and tier three cities. I, I don't believe in reinventing the wheel ever. Um, so we base the way we segment the country up into how many chapters can be in an area off the House of Representatives, interestingly enough. Or, um, so there's one tra- chapter for every 500,000 in population. My goal for 2019, as we're listening through on this podcast, is to have the major markets covered. Because if I'm putting all these fantastic women together, if we're connecting them within their local communities, and then offering, offering connectivity offering connectivity to each other in other states, the community needs to know about that. So what we're doing is also making the W Source a consumer-facing website mm. where female clients can come to the W Source and find a trusted or vetted professional like every single one of you. So what does that mean? That means that we need the major markets full so that if we have somebody in LA, if we have somebody in San Francisco, if we have somebody in Houston, if you're in Dallas, if you're in Chicago, if you're in New York, those Boston, those major markets where the populace of female professionals are, that for me is a huge goal for the year. That being said, if you're in a small region, that we need you too. We have plenty of availability left. But my goal for 2019 is to make sure that we've got those big markets and then if you join us in, a, in um, 2019, if you have a client that's bi-coastal, like so many of our clients, um, you know you have a resource nearby. I wanted to hear St. Louis on that. You know, we've got a lot of people in our backyard. I love St. Louis. <laughs> I, I always have to give My husband's from Missouri, so I'm, I'm a huge, we're cute go Cardinals. Oh, <sighs> that just, you know, music to my ears, you know, even though we had yeah. a terrible year, it's okay. You know, it, it's, it, it I is know. okay. And I was just in Scottsdale and somebody came up and was, you know, having to razz me a little bit about it. And I said, and it was a Cubs person, of course. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm counting my pennants over here. I don't even have enough fingers for all of them. You know, they literally just, I know, walked, it's, it's just... <laughs> they literally walked away from me. I was like, oh, that was so um, funny. I find that a common thread for the female professionals in our community is volunteership. 
Like they are always out there volunteering, doing something. Um, you know, my, I spent a lot of time uh, in Girl Scouts when my kids were younger. Uh, and I also, on a local Girl Scout here, they call me to come in and teach uh, a lot more about social, not just social media, like marketing, but about how social media and how it affects the kids. And, and I really talk openly with them and show them things and their eyes are always like huge, but I still volunteer a lot of time. Right. And so you do work with junior league and over the years, I've had a lot of friends that are involved with that. Could you tell us a little bit about what they do so that people are familiar with it and what you do is it's just membership. That's fine. But if you do some other work, I'd love to hear about that too. Yeah. So the uh, Junior League is a organization. It's a training organization for women. Um, it was started about in the, about the turn of the century. So I don't have my numbers exactly right. My Junior League history isn't as great. Um, they call them the parliamentarians. And I'm not a parliamentarian this year. I'm in charge of new members. So you get it. one of the things that they um, started was was really helping in the suffrage movement, helping when women were just getting out of college, um, but then going into the next phase of their lives. So it was really started to help women and continues that mission become better board members, better community partners. And it's really a training organization for women of all ages, but it really seems to uh, attract women in about the 25 to 45 age. And it's right between you get asked to be on a board, but you don't have any skill set. So the idea is a junior league brings in resources to help be a better board member, to give back in a more impactful way, to bring those leadership skills back to your job and be able to train people better or have a better understanding of how to work in a group environment. Yeah. The Junior League of Santa Barbara just celebrated their 93rd year, and I've been a member. I'm almost a sustainer, which means that you have a seven-year training commitment, and then you can go sustaining where you have less requirements. But what we do is it's twofold. You get the training, you attend meetings, but Imagine 150 women between the ages of 25 and 45, generally, of course, there's exceptions to the rule, and we're all committed to one vision locally. So each junior league has their own focus area. Ours happens to be human trafficking. Um, Santa Barbara, California, for those of you that don't know, one of the biggest problems we have in our community is actually sex trafficking. We're a huge conference stop and we're very affluent, which means between Baja, Mexico and San Francisco, there's this ring of girls, unfortunately, that cycles up and up and through. And so we opened as our Junior League of Santa Barbara our, two years ago, the first six bed shelter for victims of human trafficking. And that's been our huge proud. But what it is, is we're collectively putting, if we're going to give back one hour a year, let's say we all do more than that we do, but let's say you're going to give one hour a year. If you're a member of the junior league, you're able to compound that hour with 150, 200, 300 members and make some real impactful change in your local community. And then we all roll up through a really strong, fantastic structure so that their AGLI, the Association of Junior Leagues, provides structure, training, and we all kind of roll up into making um, things like policy changes. So being really involved in political environments on both sides of the table mm -hmm. is very important on women's issues. So just as we were very involved in the suffrage movement, we continue to be on the vanguard for women's issues with the Junior League. Yeah, and I... I lived in San Francisco, I told you that, um, for 18 years, and it was something that was yeah. uh, a prevalent problem. And I remember there's a, a great documentary called A, um, a Path, uh, what is it called? A Path uh, Between Us or something like that. It's if you look yeah. it up. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I do. I think it is a path between us. 
a path between, yeah. And it was um, the scariest thing I have ever heard as a parent. So I have three children of my own, um, two girls and a boy. And then I have fostered and brought on, uh, I have two kids that I, that are also mine. So I have five kids, another boy and a girl. So I have kids that stair step between 21 and 30 today. And I remember watching this documentary. Now my children have already grown and this was very recent. And this is what the person said about human trafficking. And they had his face blurred out. And of course his face, his voice was uh, muffled and he is a human trafficker. And he said, that so one of the things that they look for are people who check in online alone at clothing stores and things like that because they can walk right into the mall find where that girl is at because it's not hard because it's all public information but the thing that really got me was that they can walk around you know clothing stores and things like that and they can walk up to a young girl and if they say to them you know hey you're really pretty or hey you look good if that girl is confident and looks back at them and says buzz off they literally will walk away because they're like, she's going to be a problem. But if they right. go to that girl and they say, wow, you're really pretty. And she looks down at the ground and goes, oh, no, I'm not. And they said they're the easiest ones to pick off. And literally to this day, my hair still stands on my arm because I'm yeah. like, you don't realize how important it is until those moments to teach your girls to be courageous, to use their voice and to be strong because there are people like that picking off, you know, young women. Uh, and it's just... You know, so the work that you're doing there is very meaningful. I think sometimes people see things and they don't really understand either what the program's about or what it is that you do. And I wanted you to have a voice to that. So I appreciate that. And also... Thank you. Yeah, I would just say human trafficking is such a negative word and such a scary thing, especially as women. And it's happening if you right have, and It's happening in all of our communities. And I would just say, if you can educate yourself, not to the place of creating the yucky or making yourself feel uncomfortable, but just educating yourself that if you can give somebody an advocate, I've been starting to see, Cheryl, you and I both travel all the time. Do you see those, you know, hey, if you oh, see yeah. a victim, call this hotline. And I love that there's an opportunity that, because these girls get shipped around the country on a plane and you'll see them flying by themselves in first class and there's this whole warning sign. So all I would just, my, my last little pitch would just be, please educate yourself to help if you do see a victim, know what to do and be able to call um, to, to get her help. Absolutely. And I appreciate that. And you also do volunteer work with Santa Barbara uh, Dog Adoption and Welfare Group. And so um, the SB Dog, I saw that. And I love it. And, you know, I have a 13-year-old Pembroke Welsh Corgi who came to us. He was in a puppy mill. He, a lot of people don't realize that a lot of those places stud those dogs. Like, so mine being a male was a studying dog. He came from a good line and he couldn't be shown but he had good lineage, right? And so he was going in and studying. So it doesn't sound like a bad, <laughs> sounds like a bad life, right? <laughs> but <laughs> the problem is, is once they hit five years old, they euthanize them um, because they have no more purpose. And so there was a group in Illinois that had moved in into a particular place and had taken over all of these corgis. And I felt like the queen of England when I went there because they were all over, you know? So cute. <laughs> they were so cute. And so I got this little five-year-old, uh, boy and he came in our home and you know here he is AKC registered everything I paid the adoption fee I went through all of the background stuff and he walks in and he kept walking around our house like looking for his job to do and and I was Aww. like you get to just be Toby you know and so adopting dogs was a big deal in our house and so I was curious how you got involved in that organization as well 
Yeah, I grew up with dogs my whole life. And uh, I think that for me, it was always just such a fantastic experience to walk home after school or even now on my busy days or I'm traveling and have that unconditional love come to the door, even if it isn't a dog, a pet of any kind. I think it's an important part of um, sanity. But uh, one of the things that's really clear to me is that um, watching, you know, you see pit bulls being in general um, more and more, there's more education that they're not as bad of a dog or they can be um, not as bad of a dog. And so very early on, um, when I, my husband and I were looking to adopt a dog, we went to the number one shelter here, which is SB Dog, a uh, dog adoption welfare group. And they're on, um, they're in Santa Barbara and they really take the toughest dogs that the humane society cannot handle. So these are not your cute, loving puppies that are easy to adopt, the golden retrievers, the corgis, that, that kind of dog. These are the dogs that probably never had, um, never were potty trained, never had any experience. And we rate, we have a full vet on staff. And so what they do is they basically bring them back to health first, then train them how to behave in a normalized environment, and then adopt them out to the community. So um, we got, I have two of them now, Bo and Lily. Lily is six and she's a chocolate lab. I did have her DNA tested. I am the crazy dog lady that paid $80 to send her DNA to some shop somewhere. Um, so she's uh, half American Staffordshire or Pitbull, um, a quarter border collie. So she's super smart, but also really loving. And then also a quarter uh, chocolate lab. So she's just the love of light love of our lives. She's the most loyal dog ever. We got her at 10 weeks because she had not had any shots and was not um, spayed. So what we did was foster her. And of course, as a sucker, as a foster, there was no way we were giving back a 10-week-old puppy. So my husband and I adopted her right away. And then Bo came through the email blast saying, hey, we urgently need a foster. We have a dog that was dropped off overnight at the shelter. And they can't mix the baby puppies with these older dogs. That And so Bo came to us in the same way. And he is, um, I also had him DNA tested. He is 60% American Staffordshire, 25% um, Irish setter, and then the other 25% boxer. So he's oh, crazy. small dog, right? <laughs> small dog, yeah. He's crazy. He's wild. He's actually the runt of the litter, but still not a small dog. And he's just a little spunky love. So that's really my passion for them. And then they really, you know, dog people don't necessarily always have business experience. So they brought on me as one of the slew of the board members um, over the last two years to really kind of amp up their business practices to start building an endowment. And I just finished my two-year term, but I'm really busy, still actively involved in helping them whenever I can. Well, I love it. I, we, um, so I have, we also, uh, Daryl and I adopted a little cat. He already had a cat that he had adopted and Shadow was pretty lonely. And so we added Bandit, as you saw, and they're two black cats. And um, they are just, the first thing I did when I walked in last night from, you know, come my trip, I was like, kitty boys. And they come running up, you know, like, Mom. yeah, it's so cute. And so it is, it's, it's really, it changes your life, you know, for me. I mean, I know that there's some people like, oh, I'm not a dog person. Or I'm not a cat person. But for the most part, I feel like that it's, I grew up with animals and it's just something that is very near, dear to me. And, and I have seen, I have a girlfriend of mine who also takes her, she's a huge, big pit bull. And he, it's, it's, the dog is so kind and wonderful and they take it to nursing homes and let it walk around and let the, um, participants, the residents like, you know, love on them and pet. And it yeah. really, just, you can watch their whole face just, you know, they get all excited, like, you know, so I think there's a lot of therapy 
in that. So absolutely. I think you're I think that, and I think um, it's amazing to watch a creature who probably has never known true love and then to turn around and come into your home. And when you can provide that, you realize that there is good hope in the world and there are good people and yeah. we can, we can change for me. It's like, okay, if you've been through the worst and you can still be a good, you know, good dog and, and listen, I, there's hope when I'm at my worst to hopefully change to old dog, do tricks kind of story. I love that. You make me feel good. Um, so going back to the financial services, of course, because I know that's what people came yeah. also to listen, but I think that it's important to round people out, right? That's what we do and it's who we are and who you are. Do you have any thoughts on what would be some solutions or um, how we can change some of the low numbers of representation of women in the community? Because I know that I've, when I've actually looked at the research, because I do a lot of it because of writing the book, but you know, the numbers aren't really changing so much. And in fact, they're lower yeah. in certain areas, right? So I was just curious, and you don't have, there's no right or wrong answer to this about, because I think we kind of touched on, I, and maybe we already did that with the schools about some of the solutions of affecting change so that we can. And, and I also think too, that I'll throw one out there real quick too, is I think going back to some of our older community as well and uh, career changers and allowing them to yeah, come absolutely. in and learn that, right? So I just, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, you know, I would go back to do the career day so we can affect young women thinking of this as a job that they could pick as one of the ideas. Um, I think then taking it even a step further and thinking about um, if you're listening to this podcast and you're in a more mature phase of your career or thinking, you know what, I really could use some help in my business. I've just grown to a place where I need something. I, I don't want to say be gender biased because that's not, that's not going to, it's, a pendulum swing in the wrong direction. But I will say, consider bringing on a young female who's tech savvy, who has good communication skills, which doesn't matter what her major was, you're going to be able to teach her the finance side of it. That's what my experience has been. You can learn that. Um, that's a skill, not something you can teach uh, or something you can teach. You cannot teach communication skills. You cannot teach tech savviness fast enough. And the where, where our industries are all going is we have to be able to be able to serve people across the country because nowadays our margins keep getting shifted. So uh, the first thing I would say is if you're going to bring somebody on, consider bringing someone with a good English background, well-rounded liberal arts education that maybe doesn't have any finance experience and help get her exposed to the industry. Um, the other thing is, is if you're, um, if you know any male colleagues, and we kind of talked about addressing this, if you know any male colleagues, that's been my experience. I've always had men as allies on both sides of the table. I think it takes both of us to make change. And what I would say is help them understand that the person they hired as their succession plan or their person that they bring on to their team doesn't have to be exactly like them. They can bring on a woman, give her something like the W source or give her something like Bionic Social where she's got a way to put herself out there in the community and create a profile either online or with a networking group where she can really provide um, a specific service. And I think the industry will benefit her because clients are thinking more and more about the holistic planner, about the person that offers more than just the 1% you know, fee in the investment world. Right. And, that's, and I think it's funny sometimes because you and I both have women-led companies and right. programs. And I think that I'm a huge believer in male allyship, and I know you are too. And I think one of the things that uh, I've at least been questioned, quizzed, looked at is, you know, oh, she's, she doesn't like men. She doesn't want to work with men. And it's absolutely not true. What I was attempting to do by putting the wrap around all of these different 
female centric uh, programs within financial services, and financial technology was just gender neutralizing so that consumers exactly. can build their idea of what they think a financial plan or financial advisor, an investment professional, a banking professional, whatever that might be to their, what they can envision in their brain, not just the typical male, stale, pale stereotype. And it just broadens in what people can go out there and look for. That was always my intention. So the fact that, you know, you're addressing that you, you know, partner with male allies, I do too. And so anybody listening to this call, we are your friend. <laughs> we want to know. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny. The person, my um, director or my director of operations is a man, Jesse. And when I look to hire that position, I worked with Jesse for seven and a half years. And when I needed somebody who was going to organize me, who knows how to work as the yin to my yang, so to speak, there was no one more qualified. And I think when we think about equality or gender in general, we all just want the same opportunity. So the best qualified person gets hired, not because of gender. And so if we swing too far in the opposite direction and too focus on us against them, we're only going to create more divide in an already divided nation. And I, my, my passion with the W source is to give women an opportunity to catch up, to give a chance so that we can change those numbers, not, exactly. not swing too far in the other way. Exactly. And this is why you and I get along. This is, we're both on the yeah. same page in that space. So I always like to end our interviews with some fun questions. You don't get to know what anything is that I'm going to ask, but I subject myself to it. So I tell everybody, I'm like, I'm not going to ask you something I wouldn't ask myself. <laughs> so the first question for fun to get to know Hana better is what is your favorite cuisine? Ooh, good question. I love Indian food. And um, I've actually started trying to make it myself and it's very difficult. If any of one that's listening to this podcast, please post recipes on the female and finance because um, everything in a cookbook just seems so Americanized. So I know it's hard to get the, some of the ingredients, but I really do love Indian food. Um, give me some garlic naan and like some great curry and I'm a happy girl. I can eat it every day. I make a, mean, you? I make a mean chicken tikka masala. So just FYI. Ooh. I know, right? And so uh, mine has always been, I lived in San Francisco, so Chinatown. I really like traditional Chinese food. You know, I mean, it was something, yeah. And so I go places and, you know, okay, Panda Express is not, not. No, no, no. Doesn't count. And I'm, that's, that's all for my boyfriend, Daryl, who he's always like, let's go to Panda Express. But no, it is not, no. So he goes by no. himself. And I got, oh, no, I was gone. He sent me a, a text message of his little fortune from Panda Express. I'm like, no, it doesn't count. <laughs> um, doesn't count. How about your favorite flower? Ooh, Santa Barbara. I love orchids. Yeah, yeah orchids ooh. are orchids here. Um, my husband worked for um, his first job coming out from Missouri. The way he got himself out here was doing fancy flowers for our nice hotels here. And he learned how to care for orchids. And so I am such a lucky girl. I have a brown thumb, uh, maybe even a black thumb. I cannot grow anything, but he is great. And so not only does he bring me orchids for every sort of special occasion, he brings me the plant and then he'll reconstitute it. So for those of you that have had orchids, you get the flower from Trader Joe's. It's beautiful. And then it dies. And then all you have are these green leaves. If you give it enough love, now don't ask me how, if you, <laughs> apparently over time they will regrow. And so we have some 10-gallon pots that are just regrowing at our new house, and I love the, the orchids coming back. <laughs> There's a movie I watched recently, Keanu Reeves and wine owner writer called uh, Wedding De Destination. Destination wedding. Oh, cool. And she's like you, like, like me. I can't keep anything alive. And so the first scene is her in her apartment going, <sighs> on the plant that's like about to die. <laughs> <sighs> she's trying to like, 
breathe, you know, carbon dioxide. She goes away to this destination where she comes back and plants fully alive without her. And so she realized, oh, that's funny. Like, okay, it's not me. So mine would have to be carnations. And the only reason why, mm-hmm. I mean, they last so long, like you can buy them. Yeah. It's like 10 days later, they're still there, you know? So I figured yeah. I it's part of that black thumb thing that you and I share. It's like, I don't know what to do with them. Nope. Um, how about what's something that makes you smile? Good question. I love a good book. Um, so with everything that I'm constantly talking to people all day, whether it be in my business or, you know, with the W source, I feel like when I get home, I love just sitting down and getting into a good book. So if it's a, I love, you know, the Harry Potter, I'm a Harry Potter fanatic, or you could do um, my favorite books are usually murder mysteries. So if you've got a good murder mystery, you can send me a, a DM and I'd love to hear all about it because I, uh, Love that I love reading those, and then when I finish it, it's like okay, that was my escape for whatever time I need to recharge. Even though I am usually extroverted, most published book, third most published book, J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series, behind the really? Bi- yeah, the Bible's first, but number three is the J.K. Rowling's series for Harry Potter. So I know, right? I was like, okay, maybe she got on something there, and good for her. For yeah. me, um, I love, I will stop every time for those videos of those little kids that are laughing, like the little belly laughs of the baby. Oh, that's cute. Every time, because it just instantly gives me a, I just start laughing because they're so full hearted and, you know, and it's just reminds you that at one time in my life, I was truly just that happy to have a belly laugh, you know, and I think those are great. So they always make me smile. So again, it's been, it. a, it's been such a pleasure talking with you today. I love how our paths crossed and everything in our world seems to be, like we talked about, being serendipitous. And I believe that it's the best way to navigate you know, this journey. And I just wanted also to say to you, thank you for being a great sister in the females and finance community, because I just think you're really amazing. Thanks. Likewise. And I can't wait to continue to connect with you all. Absolutely. So thank you for listening to today's episode of The F Word. You can learn more about today's guest and the topics we covered in our show notes. And if you love today's podcast, you know that you do, please be sure to subscribe and don't keep it a secret. Uh, Make sure you share it, tag, hashtag females and finance in your post so that we can engage with you as well. And remember the F word, it's where females and finance are not dirty words. Have a great day.